You're listening to Shake Well, Don't Settle, a health and wellness podcast hosted by Marianne Raywald and Kenzie Dockel. A podcast created through inspiration from Kaleidoscope, a high vibe collection of juice bars located throughout the Valley of Arizona. Tune in every Thursday for energetic content surrounding health, fitness, healing, spirituality, self-growth, and wellness. Featuring fellow healers, health gurus, entrepreneurs, and local business owners. With a purpose to inspire you to grow through health and healing. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get it. All right, welcome back to the podcast, guys, Kaleidoscope Radio. Today we have our very special guest, Busy Gold. She's a personal development coach, motivational speaker, driven entrepreneur, and a mama of two. Thank you for being here. We're I'm so, so excited to have you here. Busy. Thank you. So usually at the beginning of our podcast so far, we like to let our guests kind of have a moment to just share their story about who they are, how they got here, and then we'll kind of break down some other things. But I just want to kind of give you the floor to, you know, who is Busy Gold? All right. I like that. Nice and open-ended. <laughs> uh, even when I just got here, we were kind of talking about how hard it can be sometimes when you are multifaceted to really give a quick explanation of who yeah. you are. And I think the thing that describes it the best at this point is probably serial entrepreneur. My new favorite I love term. that. I it's know. It's my new favorite term. Serial entrepreneur. Serial entrepreneur. <laughs> Trademark that. Yeah, you should. I mean, I'm feel, I feel like they talk about it on <laughs> yeah. Shark Tank a lot. It's not uh, my... Okay. I don't think okay. it's my word. That's fair. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give that to Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary. <laughs> Wherever you are, Mr. O'Leary, I'll give it to you. So I actually started off in early in my career doing public relations in Los Angeles and just burnt the candle at both ends of the stick. was always really driven in my life, and PR was always something that I wanted from pretty early on in my career. And prior to that, I'd been a competitive athlete, so like drive was always there. And I just burnt myself out so quickly that by 23, I think as both of you know, I got diagnosed with lupus. My whole body was shutting down. I was clearly just allergic to every facet of my life from my terrible sleep schedule. I'd been an insomniac forever to the way I was eating and just overall lifestyle. Body was sending you signs to stop. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think when you track back, most people, even when they do finally get diagnosed with autoimmune, you really can look back and you're like, oh, that's what was happening when I was 17, (laughs) 18, 19, 20. But at those ages, you're willing to just kind of look past it and keep drinking alcohol and like keep partying. You're like, oh, whatever, it'll pass. Um, But then at 23, it was like the consequences seem more dire and you're just starting to get to that point where it starts to impact how you're choosing to live your life. It was starting to impact my ability to actually press into my career or not. And it actually made me lean more into my yoga practice, which, you know, I think for all the many, you know, hundreds of thousands of women whose lives have been changed with booty yoga, they're probably pretty grateful that I got lupus because I don't think (laughs) I would have pressed as much into my yoga practice without that. Yeah. So... At that point, I really pressed into my yoga practice and um, started to build the business that everyone now knows as Booty Yoga, which is a, it's become a lifestyle brand because it has so many different tentacles out Mm -hmm. into other markets. Like, obviously, we have the physical studios, we have the teacher training program, we have one of the largest yoga teacher training programs in the country. Um, We have the online streaming membership, which really was kind of the keystone of our business for a long time. And then we also have the clothing line, NKD, which has been a huge hit. So it has kind of all these different tentacles out, but it really came from that initial place of building the practice from a really organic place. I know I've shared kind of like a brief synopsis of how the practice came to be, but I actually started the practice of booty after I'd had my first daughter who had a lot of birth complications. 
we both almost died during childbirth. She actually did pass for 20 minutes, came back to life. Um, it was obviously, yeah, it was a really traumatizing situation for sure. And, you know, having a baby is hard anyways, but going through that sort of experience and then having that much trauma in your body. And then for me, always being somebody that was driven and trusted myself Mm -hmm. to then completely turning on myself and no longer having any trust for my decision making because I felt really responsible for what had happened Um, because I chose to have a home birth. Which, by the way, for those of you that are listening, I'm actually still an advocate for home birth. Um, but choosing the right midwife, just as a disclaimer, <laughs> really critically important. So I chose wrong. Uh, so in that process, you know, you go back to trying to live your life. And when you have all that new trauma, it can yeah. be really challenging to go back to the life that you had heavy previously living. Very heavy healing process. So yeah. did booty, kind of, booty yoga kind of help with that? Yeah, it, process, it was, it was but... weird. I birthed booty while healing myself from that trauma. Got it. Yeah. I went back to my yoga practice and the classes that I had been teaching before. I think, you know, I always incorporated a really, you know, distinctly different playlist. Mm-hmm. There was always more movement. There were always more active classes, always really built in kind of like plyometric and conditioning sequences. Absolutely. But at this point, I went back and... I just kept teaching the same structured linear class over and over again because that's what my studio wanted Mm -hmm. and I just hit a wall where I was like I can't I can't do this anymore it's crushing my soul and then on top of that my body wasn't going back to normal and that is frustrating I'm a relatively vain person as like some people are Uh, yeah my body was just not responding so I knew that I had to find a different way to heal my body at that moment my body mind soul spirit everything was just pretty crushed so like what was the moment that you found that where you're like oh more movement or this kind of movement you know like what did that process look like that process was pretty specific actually and i did a native american medicine ceremony okay so there's some inspiration right there. Oh, yeah, there was definitely some inspiration. I, I see that now. I started telling everybody that I was caught in the Shakti spiral, and mm-hmm. I was like, nobody else is caught in the Shakti spiral. They're like, no, no busy. I think you're just tripping. And I was like, okay, maybe. <laughs> I'm going to go with it anyways. I'm going to keep shaking my hips. Yeah. So the, the cool thing is actually at that point in time, in addition to working on my yoga practice, I also was in acupuncture school. So at the time, my brain, you know, because whatever – in a medicine ceremony, like whatever's kind of top of mind and really there is kind of what your brain's going to pull from to draw inferences and references and whatnot. So because I was so deep in acupuncture school at that moment, not only was I like seeing through the lens of my yoga practice, but I now was also seeing these layers of like Western anatomy and physiology and like Eastern anatomy and physiology. So as I was getting caught in the Shakti spiral, I just remember seeing these like very, you know, multi-layered moving pictures of how we were moving the body incorrectly and that we needed to stop, especially as women moving our body in such a squared off linear way. Sure. And also the importance of bringing back this ability to like shake and vibrate your cells and how just like holding static and poses and just being like, just hold longer, hold longer. Mm -hmm. I remember having this, you know, like epiphany where I'm like, that's what's getting everything stuck. Like even if you're, you know, and you'll you'll be in a class, right, where Mm -hmm. they're like, just, you know, find the stillness and you're supposed to like hit that point of friction and then like hold (laughs) still even longer. That's actually how trauma gets stored in our body, you know? So 
it makes sense that we would think like, oh, like find the stillness because stillness can obviously have its purpose too, Definitely. right? Stillness, presence, those are all things to strive I for. Mean, I feel like even in my own yoga practice that I find that things get released when I'm flowing. It's not mm-hmm. during the holding of not the during movement, the hold. but it's when it's, you know, when I'm moving and flowing with it yeah. and that's when I find, you know, the breakthrough kind of with it. Absolutely. So I definitely see where you're coming from. And well, and the all of our trauma messages that are floating through our body in the form of neurotransmitter and ligand, it actually gets trapped in our fascia if we don't shake. So the body's natural response, Mm. and you can think of, like, a dog that hears thunder or fireworks Mm -hmm. or, like, a kid that goes through something scary, what is the body's natural response, right? You start shaking. But unfortunately in our society, we've been taught to grab them and be like, it's okay, like actually stop them. Yeah, like calm down, calm down, hug them, hold them, physically restrict their movement. Which is actually getting those traumas trapped in the fascia. Oh my gosh. Which then your body can actually refer back to those traumas much more easily to inform its decision making, which has a terrible outcome for Absolutely. all of us. So the shaking is a really critical piece of this, and I think it's something that we've lost touch with in Absolutely. our society in a lot of ways because shaking somehow becomes sexualized or shaking somehow becomes, you know, something where you're just doing it for some voyeuristic reasons no. and Unfortunately, it you know, it's getting judged, but it really is one of the, I think, best ways for us to heal and release that trauma. I love absolutely. that. I absolutely love that. I mean, after taking the class, I definitely felt the healing aspect of that. And, you know. The universe. Really, I mean, it's yeah. up. It's vibrates. Everything is vibration. Everything yeah. does. So, like, why are we? I've never really do you, thought about that. Do you get some negative feedback about, you know, about the, the shaking? shaking and the movement so yeah of of course absolutely but never from people that are doing Doing it only only watching or judging which is why typically for me I try to remind people that this is a practice that's experiential and Mm -hmm. it's not something that is to just be looked at and try to let your brain make some sort of snap judgment Definitely, it's something that you have to experience feel in your body because as soon as you do it you feel it you can't run from it your feelings come up, uh, any of your personal issues with your own body come up, how you're relating your issues with your body to the person next to you, that all mm-hmm. comes up. You can't hide from it. It definitely is a healing practice. I've experienced that for myself. Yeah, you feel you, you feel very changed when you, you leave do. the classroom. Absolutely. Any mood Absolutely. that you came in there with certainly gets yeah. left in the mat on mm-hmm. a puddle of water maybe even tears some laughter i think i actually did cry the first time i did booty yoga i did cry i was like what is this feeling going on inside (laughs) me like what is being released right now well and that's exactly you're releasing that trauma from your fascia i know that's insane will you explain what your fascia is for like the listeners like what is yeah so (laughs) i probably the easiest way to really wrap the brain around it is to start off by explaining people that you know, most of us, even if we go back to, like, middle school or, like, high school anatomy, yeah. we always think that the body is suspended by the bones, right? Like, you see the bone man there, and you're like, okay, yeah. like, we're all suspended on no. the bones. But the new way of looking at this is actually that the bones are suspended in this gelatinous material that right. is the fascia, right? Okay. So mm-hmm. if you think of it as, like, a an interconnected network of this jelly that actually carries not just like electrical impulses and messages but really stores this emotional trauma and refers that back to the brain that's essentially what it is but it it is the the medium by which our bony structures are actually supported inside of the body like a suspension system gotcha okay did you question did you study psychology or anything like that at all like do you have any that's really interesting so no i actually have been well, I've, I've done a lot of 
different things, but I actually started channeling Break Method in 2014. Okay. Um, it, it was like its own whole crazy story and process. If you want me to go into it, yeah, I totally can. Absolutely. Go for it. it. I know. This is yeah, it was, it, that was a trip because I think, again, like the sometimes I think our bodies have to have such a loud, like bold experience for us to acknowledge mm-hmm. it yeah. that really once the big bang happens you look back and you're like oh it's been trying to tell me this actually for like five years you know like the lupus like my body had to be in shutdown mode for me to be like oh maybe I actually had lupus this whole time like since I was 17 no one actually stops it yeah exactly yeah if it's not exactly if it's not big enough you're not willing to actually stop and assess what you're actually doing to impact it so I think the same goes for the channeling. I think this is something that really especially if I look back at my early childhood I've been doing it since I was little and I remember my dad would always jokingly refer to me as the oracle because anyone could pretty oh, much ask God. me anything and I would answer it very confidently, yeah. even if it was about a subject that was way beyond <coughs> my academic level. And his friends would be like, oh my God, like, Bob, how does she know that? And he's like, I don't know. She knows everything. It's so weird. Um, but it almost like when I was a kid, I, it like almost made me become kind of like a circus sideshow and my dad would take me to all of his business functions. And I remember like always just hanging out with like a bunch of old dudes. Like when you're nine and 10, you don't want to be hanging out with a bunch of 50 and 60 year old dudes. But I like, did you feel your age? Did you know? I never, I never felt my age. It doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like it. I always felt pretty old. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think I've actually had that gift since I was little. And I remember even things where it's like, you know, little things where it's like you'll be at school and like I wouldn't have actually witnessed something and the teachers will be like, what happened? What happened? And I'd sit there and like tell them what happened and people would be like, you weren't even there. (laughs) So then they'd call me a liar. And but I just knew the answer. So there was a lot of friction there when I was young where I was like, am I a liar? Because no one had been really explaining to me this other alternative of like maybe somehow you know the answers to things even though you weren't physically present right so I think that that caused some friction when I was little and then moving into my 20s I remember being much more tapped in before I got diagnosed with lupus and then I think at a certain point a lot of the growth that I was having in my career and other things like I almost felt like I was hindered by how spiritually open I was if that makes any sense no, absolutely where it's like it, it then started to make my insomnia worse because mm-hmm. at night I'd be experiencing all these things that are like not three-dimensional and I had no friends in LA to be like by the way spirits yeah, are talking yeah. to me you know because <laughs> it didn't really jive with my public relations career sure, so I just felt like I always kind of had these like two lives that didn't work together and at a certain point I remember like making a conscious decision like f spirituality i'm gonna like go so basic right now just to shut it down but that's also i think what led for me actually to get diagnosed with lupus was i just like i tried to just become like so human and leave all that stuff behind and my body suffered because of it it comes too much you know oh for sure being that open it's it becomes a lot and if you don't have the the like, people to talk to you about mm-hmm. it right you can't actually process any of the information so it's just like you're keeping it tighter and tighter and tighter to your body and then you kind of go into fear mode because you've no one to talk about and then that makes the whole thing worse so I think I had been actually channeling that whole time I just was kind of running from it for a while yeah. and then when I had my daughter and I lived in Hawaii some of it started to open back up again because I think I just kind of I relaxed a little bit and then when I started to practice booty it like really started to open back up and then I couldn't really I didn't really feel like I had to run from it anymore because it wasn't coming at me in a way that felt scary or detrimental it was just like kind of coming piecemeal and at a certain point I very vividly recall 
you know, I, I lead yoga teacher trainings or did for a long time. And people would ask me a question. And just like when I was a little kid, like, mm-hmm. even if I didn't know the answer, like I hadn't actually tangibly read it in a textbook. Now just start like answering the <laughs> question. And then next thing you know, it's like 45 minutes later and people are like, holy what? shit, where did that even come from? And I was like, I don't even know, yeah. you know? And then pe- people would record it. People would write it down. And then next thing you know, I'd, people would start tagging me and like, you know, what would busy say or like what busy said quotes. And I'd go back and look at them. And I was like, I don't even, I don't like, remember saying, saying this that. stuff. Yeah. That's so, I've like heard people saying that. So then I started like, as I kind of pressed into it more, yeah. then I realized that, you know, what was coming through were very cohesive thoughts from, you know, a place that was definitely like bridging together a lot of information that doesn't really exist here. So I taught a break workshop in Providence. Yeah, explain to everyone like what the break method is real quick. So, so break method, so break method is a, I mean, it, it is carried out in a variety of different ways, okay. but it is essentially a method to help you remove emotional addiction patterns from childhood and teach you how to rewire your brain to no longer crave situations in which you can keep perpetuating those emotional addiction cycles. So it completely changes your life. We call it the school of sustainable self-mastery. School of sustainable self-mastery. I love that. Which is also, once you get into it, it's kind of a joke because you realize that self-mastery is ongoing you know right so like for you to really recognize that like i've done this shit like that means i'm going to have to keep doing this literally every day every week for the rest of my life (laughs) because there's always new layers that end up getting uncovered and that's the sustainable part right i make sure that what i was able to do for individual clients before i created this school I wanted to make sure that I could teach them how I was doing it so that they could do it for themselves and keep paying it forward to help humanity. Because at the end of the day, I am only one person. I can only help so many people. And I would much rather help people that are motivated to go out and help people. Teach them how to help themselves and then help others. Yes. And impact the collective. That makes sense. Which is my main goal. That's a good strategy with it. Because, you know, you won't have the teacher there with you every single day to hold your hand and tell you what to do. You have to learn how to do the work yourself. And we, it's, it's a challenging course. So the course that we have right now is a four month course and it's, I would say as hard as being in college for a semester. Really? And we really, we test like what we, we test your skills. We test your diagnostic skills. We, we make sure that you're really understanding the work to the level that a facilitator would by the end. And there's an exit interview process where you have to really prove that not only did you learn everything, but that you've actually been able to apply it to your everyday life. Sure. What do some of these exercises look like? There's so there's so many. There's so many. <laughs> yes. So for those of you that don't have any familiarity with break method, so in that four month course I lecture for about eighty hours. So there's about wow. eighty hours of lecture content in total. And then I would say average students spend maybe like ten to fifteen hours per week on work at home. Okay. Um, and then you also have small group sessions and then we do mm-hmm. a two day live event every other semester. Oh, so that usually it's like two semesters together in a group or in a cohort. Um, and then I also do two-day break intensive workshops all over the country as well. That is insane. There's yeah. just like so many layers to who is busy gold. That's, that's <laughs> the question that we started. Asking. There are I'm there are some layers. This. I'm really and the two-day break so, workshop yeah. that I did in Providence because I think this really kind of drives the point home. Sure. I had um, I had an MIT professor at the workshop. Wow. And I remember halfway through, she always kind of would look up at me and just kind of her eyes were always like huge. And I was like, <laughs> right. she's either judging me and hates me or we're going <laughs> to have some like sort of major breakthrough. Right yeah. now. And she kind of followed me back to the bathroom one day and was like, 
how do you know this? And I was like, <laughs> I channeled it. And she was like, she literally took a gasp and she was like, I know. Like, it was like the first time that she had to actually accept that channeling was a real thing. Wow. And she was like, what you teach isn't taught in the way that you teach it. You could have never mm. pulled this from anything else that doesn't exist, but it's also correct. And she looks at me and gets really close to my face, and she's like, you are curious. And I was like, <laughs> you're right. Thank you. <laughs> so I feel like you. that really drives the point home. I there also had another med student that, again, partway through the workshop, um, and not even a med student, actually, was a, a psychiatric nurse and was just kind of shaking his head and I, again, was looking like, are you judging me? <laughs> or, like, what's happening? Yeah. Just trying to, like, assess the behavior. And then halfway through, he was just like, I mean, I just wish that you taught my classes in med school because it would have been a lot easier. I was like, I could have cut the shit a long time ago. Wow. Because the way I teach things, I think, is a lot more, it's a lot more practical. And I think one of my biggest gifts is I've always been able to see a concept. Like, I always joke when people are like how do you do this if anyone else were able to see through my eyes they'd probably be really scared for a second (laughs) they'd then have vertigo maybe want to like poop their pants and then be like okay um because basically every time i'm like just when i'm looking there's so much other information that's laid like out on top of it and whenever i see a concept that i'm trying to teach it's almost like i can project it out and i can see it from like every possible way to teach it and i can sure. also see where so one of these things also connects with something else that that yeah. individual might already have reference to so that i can make sure that everyone understands what i'm speaking about no matter the audience so i think you know that was really what he was trying to explain was like why yeah. didn't you teach my med school sure. classes that makes sense. Yeah. So that was another little breakthrough for, for you was that little moment with your med student. And then um, where did you go from there? Like, did you start? Where- so at that point, break has been. So in 2014, there was a, a moment where I just like I knew that it wasn't just answering questions anymore. Okay. Like there was something bigger that wanted to come through. And I remember basically like hearing narration and i buckled down made sure my kids were handled and that day I think I wrote probably like somewhere between 80 and 90 pages of like just different stuff that I was hearing come through and then that was kind of the start of it I launched break maybe like two months later and then since then what's interesting is that every single time somebody asks me a question because I always jokingly say like I'm best one questioned because I I am because the answer is always there and it's not that I know the answer the answer is coming through me so whenever people question me and break it ends up uncovering new layers of content so you know the first semester maybe we had like 20 hours and then it was like 30 40 50 60 70 80 and like now that I'm in a relationship with the love of my life and it's uncovering new wounds for me to deal with and the great thing for me is that when that happens to me it uncovers new lectures so now there's even more content that's coming through with that so um, I don't think it'll ever stop absolutely you were really sent to you know birth all this information out there it's so all of these lectures that you do and all of these topics that you hit does it come from a personal place or is it something that you feel like you channel from other people's experiences and so I actually know where I channel it from which is kind of like an interesting little twist um so I mean and this is one of those things where it's like for any and I'm so used to in my work kind of dialing back this aspect of it because I end up having a lot of students that are you know like very Christian or Catholic or what have Mm -hmm. you and I don't ever want to try to you know force my belief system upon Mm -hmm. anybody else but let's just say that past lives exist and let's just say that 
really there's no such thing as time, which means that your past lives are not really past, past right? Yeah. And let's say that your consciousness, if you get to a certain point, is able to actually access all of your experience from all of time simultaneously. I know that I'm accessing my own consciousness from a different place in a society where this is just common knowledge. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so it's not like I'm channeling it from like an entity or yeah. a person. It's coming from me, but it's always yeah. felt very clear that as it comes through, it is not ever with this kind of like air of judgment or like I'm better than you or even like professorial. Like there's yeah. no aspect of it that feels like it's coming from a teacher. So it feels like yeah. it's just like sharing of where I am from. This is common sense, and mm -hmm. you guys need this tool to be able to propel yourselves forward to the next level. Absolutely. So basically, these kind of you know channels can come in through anyone. Really, we can Absolutely. all access it. So, I mean, where would you even start? You know what I mean? Is it just so, being conscious and letting it, giving it a space? Or We actually, in Break Method, we have a variety of tools that we utilize to help people start to use their meditative space or their prayer space as a way to get those messages. Okay. Um, I don't think that, you know, necessarily, it's not like it's like I teach people how to channel, but I will no, say that yeah. as you start to remove emotional addiction patterns, okay. which usually are at odds with intuition, right? Because usually mm -hmm. it'll, like, some of your fears will masquerade as intuition, and then really it's like at a certain point, are those fears that your brain is just pretending to give to you as an intuition so that you can block yourself mm -hmm. from doing all the things in your life that you want to do, or are they like genuine intuition? Once you start to remove all these emotional addiction patterns, you start to get very clear on like what is you versus what are all the thoughts that are really just your brain yeah. pulling information to try to block you and try to keep you safe, which really keeping you safe is perpetuating the emotional homeostasis that you're in from your childhood, which is not keeping you safe. It's actually keeping yeah. you completely trapped. So once you get that stuff out of the way and you get very clear on like a baseline of like, oh, without that stuff, this is who I am, it becomes very, very clear when something all of a sudden comes in where you're like, ooh, that's yeah. not me. But it's not a fear message. Yeah. This is like my higher self where this is, and I, we've had that happen where, in fact, at the end of the course when people graduate, I had to build in a secondary course that's like, if by the end of this, you're now, <laughs> you found yourself channeling and now you're psychic too, here's, yeah, I, yeah here my last, know. my last lecture is the space-time continuum and how to not lose your shit. For people wow. that it's like, they never even realize that these things could possibly exist and then they get to the end and they're like, oh my god, they do exist and it's, yeah. you know, just meant to keep them grounded and practical because I'm a big believer that every person came to incarnate as a human being in this moment right now and that you made that choice and it would be basically spitting in the face of your soul to try to like meditate your way out of it or mm -hmm. escape or do anything to try to leave your human experience because like it's an honor to be here Absolutely. and so many of us and our spiritual practices are built to try to get ourselves out of our human experience mm -hmm. because it's painful i want to teach people how to not let your human experience be painful because we have the ability to release that so that our human experience is beautiful and we can do all the things that we came here to do absolutely i so i don't remember where I heard you say this. Maybe it was on a podcast that you had done. But in today's society, we are all so supportive of, you know, having those feelings and feeling like we're suffering. And, like, instead of being like, hey, get up. Like, let's, we got to fix it. Yeah, we got to fix it. We're all so, you know, like, hey, like, I know you feel that way. But guess what? I feel that way, too. So it's okay. 
And I think, and I wrote a blog post about this on Break Method maybe a year or two ago called the, I think it's called the Stages of Healing an Emotional Wound. I think generationally we've, we're kind of going through different phases as we do collectively. And I hypothesize that, you know, our parents, especially like their parents' parents, were in a hiding phase where the way society was really built, they had to keep all of their emotional wounds completely on the inside, like couldn't share, couldn't yeah. show any sort of weakness whatsoever for fear of being ostracized or like kicked out of mm-hmm. your family or mm-hmm. shamed or what have you. Um, or even, even back then, like getting thrown in a crazy mental hospital, right? Where Definitely. you get like experimented on, like, right? Like oh, it was yeah. a much, like it was dire like, straits back, back then. then if, yeah, you probably would have like burned at like the stake. Then <laughs> we got into what I hypothesize is the bonding phase, which okay. once you get out of the hiding phase, people are like, oh, it's safe to come out here. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay yeah. to be out here. Then everyone wants to celebrate it and bond in it. But we need to move ourselves out of that phase because it's really disempowering. And it's not like, you know, we should go to people and be like, enough with your story, heal mm-hmm. already. But to only allow this space where everyone's only bonding in their wounds mm-hmm. and then not doing the work or prioritizing the work to realize that they that. can heal. Yeah. Because our society somehow, it like honors people more that are wounded. And then if we actually want to heal, it's like we end up losing some of that honor. And I was even having this conversation with my boyfriend the other day where it's like, you know, some people, as soon as they share some sort of like traumatic event from their lives, it's like there's a part of them that softens in a group environment because there's a part of their brain that knows once I speak this out into the ethers, everyone's going to be nicer to me. Everyone's going to go a little bit easier on me. Sure. We need to get ourselves collectively to a place where this is no longer the case and we can actually move people into the next phase, which is to realize like you've been hurt. Your body was hurt. You've been emotionally hurt. But this is where you can go once you've healed and you don't have to be like this forever. And that's what I consider to be the motivational phase. And I think we are moving into that. But right now, especially with social media, you know, a lot of social media personalities, I don't think are really using their platforms in a way that is best for our collective and it, it's something that I struggle Absolutely. with a lot personally because yeah. I'll watch people that have these like huge followings and I'll look at it and be like all right way to misuse your power definitely what what do you think people should be doing how can we better utilize social media you know here here's one thing and this comes from I like I get to be on two sides of the spectrum here where it's like I get to know a lot of the people mm-hmm. that have this problem where all of a sudden it's like you know maybe the the girl that is like always depressed and sad on her Instagram. It's like she's got tons of followers because everything's always depressing and sad. And then as soon as she gets happy and gets in a relationship, all of her followers are like, we liked you better when you were sad. Or somebody that, you know, is body positive and as soon as they lose weight, they're like, we liked you better when you were bigger. People with the social media following, I feel like they owe it to everybody to continue to be authentic to what's true for you instead of just being like oh no I'm losing my followers I have to go back to being broken yeah and then for a lot of people that I know personally they have to show that they're broken but they're not really broken so it's like you're literally putting on this act of brokenness because you know it's perpetuating your follower base like that's irresponsible and it's disgusting I I know I've had people who've told me oh you want to grow your social media give them a sad story you know like I was like, why, why do I have to do that to yeah. be successful on here? You know, well, and know? also another that way that they do it is just to like get people rallied into groupthink, which, you know, when you get people into this like groupthink camaraderie, sure, it'll grow your numbers really fast. Mm-hmm. But is that what's best for the individual? 
like I've been called a cult leader multiple times and I'm like listen I must be the worst cult leader ever because I teach people how to think for themselves and to even question me at every turn like if don't ever believe something just because I tell you that go and do your own research figure it out for yourself because believing something just because somebody told you so is not ever going to be actionable no because as soon as push comes to shove you're going to go into cognitive dissonance you're going to panic and be like I don't even know why I thought that Mm -hmm. but if you learn it for yourself then you can take right action in that moment definitely so that's kind of what you preach on your own social media is yeah and my following will go up and down people will hate me people will start instagram (laughs) accounts to try to ruin my life i you know stay true to you exactly all i can do is ever be 100 percent authentic and honest Mm -hmm. whatever that is in the moment and to me that's being responsible so for those who are listening that maybe feel like they are stuck in that kind of group think you know phase to move on to that motivational phase what are some tips that you could give them be brave be willing to weather the storm and have that piece of yourself that you know is so focused on whatever your soul is going for that you're willing to weather some of those obstacles because Mm -hmm. you know and this is something that we taught and I know we were talking about the go into chaos retreat one of the things that we were talking about at the retreat is for most people if you ask them like why they didn't do something that they really wanted to go after their usual response is I don't know I just wasn't feeling that confident about it Mm -hmm. but most people don't realize that you have to really like fully commit to something to even learn how to become confident you don't do something with confidence confidence is either created during childhood or not and if you haven't done the the work to try to rebuild that if it wasn't done successfully by your parenting you're probably not a very committed person you dance around things you're like one foot in one foot out so number one you have to be committed to what it is that you're trying to accomplish because without that commitment as soon as you have pushback from any of your followers or like your numbers drop for a second or you get hate mail then you're gonna go backwards right so you have to know first and foremost like what is that big picture thing that i'm really committed to and also i always have people prep like what are the things that might go wrong along the way because to me people act irrationally when they're not expecting bad outcomes but if you're really committed to something it's important for you to be like okay these are like the real things that sure. might happen to me. People might start hating me. People might start a hate, a hate IG account, which yeah. has happened to me. People might do this and that, and whatever. It's insane. Um, it's insane but people are nuts right now, and like yeah. social media has created this like hungry, hungry monster that needs oh, to get fed absolutely. all the time. So if you know what those things might be, then when inevitably one of them happens, you're not like, oh my god, right? You're like, okay, I knew this was gonna happen, and I already did the work to prep myself for how I'm going to navigate through That's this. That's a really good tip. That's a really good tip. Because at the end of the day, talking. if you're not committed to the end goal, yeah. then like, what are you, the what are you even doing, man? Absolutely. Be committed. Who? So going back to um, the break method, what kind of people would benefit from, you know, signing up for your courses? So I honestly think that every, and this is something where even if you go on break method and you listen to any of the video testimonials, anyone that graduates say it's literally like you owe it to yourself to do break okay. method. It, it is literally for anyone. But I would say the spectrum goes everywhere from like you know heavy addiction issues and trauma all the way to I've had tons of clients that were raised in cults or were like exiting cults then to like you know the the mom that has it all and has the husband and like had the career and has the cars and everything Mm -hmm. and just feels empty inside all the way to the person who's like my life is awesome it can't possibly get any better and then they go and do it and they're like oh shit it can get better so it's for everybody and I think the other aspect of it is that not only do you learn about yourself, but you learn 
at a very deep and quick level how to read everybody else. So if you learn how to read everybody else that quickly, your life gets exponentially better because you can meet everybody where they are. I know. I'm signing up tonight. (laughs) I know. I I love that. I'm actually so excited because when I first, you know, heard that we were doing this podcast with you, I was like, oh, awesome. We're going to talk about booty yoga. Like, this is great. And then I started doing some of my research and I felt so connected to what you're doing. I I studied psychology in school and I studied psychology because I wanted to learn how to overcome emotional trauma and, you know, things from my past. And I felt like it really didn't fulfill me and I have this fulfillment, you know, here. And so when I saw that, I'm like, oh my gosh, like someone's Someone's doing doing it in such like a beautiful way that, you you know, and it's so connecting and I'm, you know, I'm excited. And I remember you, I was listening to one of your podcasts and you were saying that we can't kind of shift as a whole unless everybody heals themselves first. Yeah. Like, we all, you it's know. It's like the oxygen mask yeah. theory, yeah, you it's know. Like, you yep. know, some people can't be, like, completely healed and doing the work. And then some people, you know, still unconscious, not, you know, we have to shift together. Uh, we have to shift together. together. And I think one of the greatest tangible examples is thinking of you know, like Siamese twins, right? Where they actually share like a blood source, digestive system, mm-hmm. etc. One of them could be doing everything they can to be like health conscious and vegan. And then sure. the other one could be sitting there like chain smoking and doing lines of Coke. What's yeah. going to happen to their body? Like they're going to be mm-hmm. impacted by the person's like negative or bad behaviors. Definitely. So we have to remember that on a collective level, like we are all connected. And if we've done the work, we need to also keep holding space for other people to do the work and I think that's another thing that happens right now where it's kind of like this every man for himself thing it's like great I'm healed now I can like compete at a higher level it's like well what about everybody else that you're now leaving behind and we need to and this is something that I personally have like it's a constant process but you know once you're healed or like in the process of healing people's bad behaviors like become really obvious oh, right yeah, like sure, very quickly absolutely. you're like wow I never saw you as that dysfunctional before <laughs> but like now that I'm Damn. not dysfunctional <laughs> in comparison your yeah. life is a disaster Definitely. um we still have to hold space for those people and help them walk the path too instead of just turning against them being like you're cut you're cut you're cut because I think a lot of like even like the self-care world right now is like just remove yeah. all your toxic relationships and even like in my podcast, it's like, not that easy. Well, and yeah. it's also not usually the thing to do. Right. It's not like you need to just go like act chopping all of your relationships without inquiring like yeah. why they got that way in the first place and what responsibility you also need to take in it. Because most people don't take enough personal responsibility. I'm so glad somebody said it that you said it. I, I right. seriously am. It's like, true. Like I'm, you hear it all the time. Like cut out, you know. I don't need that. I don't need that relationship. And yeah, you cut them out when really isn't it's serving me. It's like, naturally. are you sure? Yeah, like, isn't it's not serving you because of you know that energy there, or is it? It's everything's mutual. All relationships are mutual. Like, 100%. absolutely. There's equal. And if you really care you about them, do. you should want to help them. Yeah. Absolutely. You know I mean? And in break method, I say it all the time. Most I've seen people that will come there to get empowered to like leave their toxic partner or whatever, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And then like partway through, they're like, oh my god. I'm the asshole. I'm I'm like, yeah, you are. So it's not to say that, you know, we have to like excuse people's shitty behavior because we don't. But we do have to see that it's all part of a greater cycle and that it's usually been going on for so, Mm -hmm. so long Mm -hmm. that we would be amiss to not take any responsibility and even like want to inquire like how the cycle even escalated to that place. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're going to go cutting that person out. And then we're going to literally go invite the same exact person in where maybe they look a little bit different different. on paper, but they do the same thing. And then we're going to be like, oh, I did it again. Where it's like, yeah, because it's you. 
There's yeah. a part of your brain that is still craving that and playing it out over and over again. I like how you brought that up. You cannot excuse, you know, your bad behavior. Yeah, you, you can't. can't. You, you know, you can't just be like, oh, you know, that's just how I am. No, like, you mm. need to. Yes, that's actually one of my pitches that. in Break Method really? in the webinar where I'm that. like, you know, no longer are we going to just let ourselves use our astrological sign as a reason why <laughs> right. we're an asshole. Like, yeah. I'm right. just a Gemini. Like, okay. Yeah. like two personalities. <laughs> just how it is. Be yeah. like, hey, why don't we work past that? Yeah. Totally. Definitely. And that, you know, I just think we're in a phase right now societally where we're not really prioritizing taking personal responsibility. You're getting basically honored and like more popular for placing blame everywhere mm-hmm. else outside of yourself and like at a certain point that has to stop Absolutely. otherwise we're going to go to a really negative place collectively and that's not I mean I, I my channeling has even like on the personal level with break method that's one thing but it's even like extended tentacles out into like government and policy formation sure. yeah. And the road we're traveling right now is a really slippery slope, and I really hope more people start to wake up to that. I would like to have oh an God. entirely yeah. separate conversation <laughs> yeah, about I that. Know. Whenever yeah, you want. You just hit me up. I could talk about that forever. I like, a question form after this and <laughs> get, really get into that because I completely agree with you. Do you feel yeah. like, I mean, I know you kind of tapped into it a little bit, but as, you know, society has changed since you started, you know, realizing that you were channeling, do you feel like it's more intense for you now, now that, or is it... I feel like the place that we are navigating toward as a collective right now has potentially more negative outcome than it did when I first started channeling. Okay. So I feel like the channeling has increased particularly in that area. Okay. Because I think right now we're kind of watching this like smoke and mirrors show where everyone like thinks they're getting rallied around one cause while that's actually the very cause that's causing all of the destruction behind the scenes. Um, and basically we're just... We're being taught, again, to just keep pointing fingers and to just keep dividing more and more and more yeah. when if you look at any sort of, you know, metaphysical text, like that is the exact antithesis of what we should be doing. And I'm always surprised how many people that are considering themselves like spiritual or woke are allowing this division to keep happening instead of realizing Absolutely. what's actually at play. Because uh, especially coming from a PR tactic, like it's really obvious. I don't think it's all that hidden but people are really confused by it and I think it's because they're allowing their emotional activation and fear of being judged for actually speaking their mind to silence them yeah absolutely or over speaking too you know you do have some people who aren't you know self-conscious enough and they have their one-track mind and you know that's all that they speak that's the only truth when they can't tap into you know what are some, like, baby, baby steps? Someone wants to become, like, we're going to simplify. Someone wants to just become more conscious and, you know, get into this path. Like, what are what are some things, some practices, something that they can start doing, implementing in their life, like, right now? Great question. Um, number one, I would say start to become an observer of your thoughts instead of mm-hmm. allow your thoughts to be you. Because I don't think people question themselves enough. Why would I think that? Where is this coming from? Whose voice is this really? If I follow through on this, is that actually taking me to a place that I want to go? Because even if like in that simple moment, if you listen to it for a second and you ran through that list, you'd be like, clearly this is not to be acted on. I don't know why this thought is actually happening right now. Um, So I usually will teach people, it's kind of like a quick, I'll give like the quick and dirty version of it. It's called thought mapping. So if you commit to even let's just say for a day to start off with from the second I open my eyes in the morning I will commit to observing my thoughts instead of allowing my thoughts to be acted upon it will change your life even just that one 
That's, one day. Yeah, um, and for some people, care. you know, they do that and then they're like, I'm not having any thoughts. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> we have even more work to do because <laughs> you are having thoughts, but sometimes people are overthinking so much and the negativity is so high or they've spent so much time putting in what I call override messages. Like, let's say underneath it's like, people hate me, I'm ugly, I'm stupid. And then on top of that, your brain's like, but I learned mantras and affirmations. So like, I'm beautiful, I'm enough, right? And like all you kind of hear yeah. is that like override message. That's great. And I'm not telling you not to do that. But those are all things that make it so noisy that it's hard to yeah, listen. Definitely. So really acknowledge, number one, that your thoughts can be very irrational and make no sense whatsoever. And if you're really listening to them, usually even like the first few in the morning, you're probably going to want to cringe. Like, when you oh, actually yeah. allow yourself to listen to them, you're going to be like, it. Like it's going to make you feel kind of dirty and shameful. Like, why would I think that when I first opened my eyes? Yeah. But you have to just write them down. So on one side of a page, if you take, like, one page, divide it down the half. On one side, I want you to go chronologically, just, like, map out whatever thoughts you're having. And, you know, it can be... I don't want, like, sentences or, like, journal entries. You know, like, just the thought. Just, the thought, just yeah. like, wow, okay, I opened my eyes and for whatever reason I thought, like, why am I alive this morning? And, like, I'm not a suicidal person. Why would I think that, right? Definitely. So write that down on one side. And then at the end of the day, I want you to go back on the right-hand side and go chronologically what events took place. Like, okay, like, here I woke up and then, like, here my text messages went off or, like, I checked Instagram mm-hmm. or, you know, so you can kind of see, like, this is what's naturally happening in my mind's mm-hmm. eye. And then these are the inputs that are happening sure. on the other side. So you can kind of see what correlating events are happening. Um, that will give you a lot of insight. Number two, take radical personal responsibility. When things go wrong, don't be so quick to immediately place blame. Think about what you just did. Like, okay. what was my what was my body language like? What was my voice tone like? Um, what happened right before I did that? Was I in some sort of like influenced state of mind? Who was yeah. I just hanging out with before I did something like that? Because a lot of times we find ourselves doing something and then after the damage is done, we're like, oh, that feels uncomfortable. But if you track back, you can actually see like I hung out with somebody and then I kind of took on their group thing and then I was feeling kind of weak or tired and then I made a decision that really is more influenced by them than like me. And now yeah. I'm having to deal with the consequences. Okay. A uh, little side note to that. Do you think, this is kind of a loaded question, do you think that what people put into their body has an effect on that? A hundred percent. And that okay. was actually my number three. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, perfect. I'm glad we're on the same page. So I think that has a lot to do with it, just like the influence in general. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one of the, and this is, you know, not to like start a war here, but one of the first things that I talk to people about in break is like, you know, I get that we're at a place right now where, you know, medical marijuana is really prevalent and it's, mm-hmm. you know, being legalized in a lot of places I think most people that are trying to heal themselves marijuana usage is actually preventing them from healing in virtually every single way um and it's not like to be judgmental of marijuana I think there are instances in which it can be used medically and it makes sense but for somebody that's like I'm using it for anxiety and sleep like you're not you're absolutely not because it's not something yeah you're making it worse you're keeping yourself from REM sleep you're not um, just because that's what a doctor can prescribe you for, that doesn't mm-hmm. actually mean that medically that's what it's really helping. It's just whatever one of the approved, you know, recommendations yeah. is. Um, you can also use it to treat anorexia. Like, that's not, smoking weed's not necessarily going to help you treat the root cause of your anorexia. Absolutely. So I think that's a big one because it, it revs up your thoughts, right? Like, we have exponentially more thoughts that are less and less tangible right and then we kind of lose that space where it's like we almost lose our grounding cord to reality when we're high 
or under the influence. So then it's like your thoughts were already the problem, but now you're high. You forgot where that like reality ground floor is. And now you're really not conscious of your thoughts. That's a place where everything can spin and turn into a tornado. I love that. Um, But also on that same, in the same vein, your food. Yeah, big it's one. a big one, and it's something where it's like I usually don't really go there until the end of break method because people are really they're emotionally to t- they're not people are not open to changing eating habits. It's insane. Well, because there's some level of uncomfortability in the mm-hmm. beginning, but I'll tell you right now, if I eat dairy, I'm super rational. Like even with all the work I've done, I can feel the irration, like the irrationality, yeah, just like coursing through my veins. Or I'm like, oh god, I feel like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like we're the dairy is in my blood. <laughs> down, make sure um, down. <laughs> but then for me, the other big one is I don't eat any grains. I don't eat any dairy. Yep. Um, even when I when I do grain, have those little bits of dairy, real. it's real. It's real. Hundred percent. And if you're trying to heal emotional trauma, like number one step should be like go food first. I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people. Like food first because Definitely. then it gets your baseline level to a place where like you're less on edge so that you can actually do the work if you're already on edge nutritionally then you try to like it's you're only gonna be able to do so much absolutely i mean your brain is linked to your gut you know everything that you digest like it has an effect neurologically on your brain you know and how you feel and emotions and with your hormones and whatnot so i think that's you know an incredible i think like nutrition is how i like found my consciousness you know what I mean? that's because was kind of my journey into it yeah. was literally just whole foods getting getting my diet right and figuring out all that out mm-hmm. so it makes really a big very, difference it does and I don't know I think you know just all whole foods and juice bars and all that it used to be people would just associate that like oh you're some like yoga hippie person but now it's it's kind of like for everyone and everyone kind of yeah what are things you know? that you would suggest people can cut out in their diet to help um, I would say, at least for me, my recommendations, I would cut out all grains first. Um, and I actually have a hierarchy that I have on my website, too, if anyone's interested, where yeah. I think cutting out grains is most important. Um, then I would cut out all dairy products. Okay. And then after that, I would try to really focus on like predominantly grass-fed, you know, natural, organic. Um, and then after that, it's kind of more thinking about the actual proportions of macronutrients. But to me, gotcha. that's like in last place. So are you so like if you're going to do... Yeah, I've been paleo, paleo since I was gotcha. 23. Wow. Okay. That was actually part of how I healed from lupus. Gotcha. Yeah. Really? So that... So booty yoga in combination with paleo diet was kind of what did it for you. Yes, ma'am. Amazing. Very, very, like, really back to your roots, you know what I mean? The, yeah. How yeah. humans used to live. And my kids are also paleo. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, you know, my boyfriend and I were doing that go into chaos workshop this weekend. And one of the things that we did was a Wim Hof workshop in the retreat. And Wim Hof in the video was talking about how his mission is to really, like, teach people that they can heal their bodies without pharmaceuticals. And, I mean, I've been on that train for a long Mm -hmm. time. And I just remember, like, having this moment, like, watching the video, and I just kind of, like, I don't usually, like, I'm not one to swell with pride. Because, like, pride's not really my thing. I'm usually kind of more like, look over there, don't look over here. (laughs) But that was the one moment where I was like, you know what? My son, Zev, is five. He's only been to the doctor for his seven-day-old checkup seven days old he had to get a checkup and that was it right um he eats amazingly well he's not like when he gets sick you know we treat it completely organically he just doesn't even like he's never been on antibiotics he doesn't even know what going to the doctor is like and every time I think about that I think in contrast to like my childhood I remember being traumatized Mm -hmm. by my doctor still remember that his name was Dr. Franklin fucking traumatized (laughs) excuse me beep um (laughs) 
and I'm just so grateful that my I like was able to prioritize my son's health and wellness early enough that mm-hmm. like that's just not going to be his life. Right. Absolutely. I mean, now you know once we can at least start treating our generation, like hopefully we can set a better oh, yeah. path for right. our kids and the next generation, so they don't have to, oh, so they don't have to go through the same that. transition yeah. that we are. Like I don't know. It was so hard. I think about you know when I when I was a kid, I they were I always had the worst allergies of my life like I was always a kid with awful allergies then when I finally started making decisions for myself cut out dairy fine nothing it was completely fine I was like wow Mm -hmm. I was never really sick like and I think for our gener like we can cut that out for future generations they don't have to go through you know that that transition it was really beneficial but yeah so if someone wants to sign up for Break Method, where would they go? They would go to breakmethod.com. Okay. Uh, the next semester will be starting in September. Gotcha. Do you have one going right now? We have one. Yeah, we're in the middle of a semester right now. Um, but there's plenty of stuff that you can kind of look around on the website, and I'll sometimes offer, like, individual lectures and things like that that people can download and just start to get familiar with okay. the practice. But, yeah, the next semester will start at the beginning of September. We okay. do four courses a year. And okay. then for anything booty yoga related, booty yoga, B-U-T-I, booty is actually an Indian Marathi word, which we didn't cover, that means the cure to something hidden away or kept secret. I, I didn't know that. that. I love that so much. So yeah, booty yoga is B-U-T-I-Y-O-G-A dot com. Okay. And then if you're local to Scottsdale, which I know a lot of people in your market are, um, we have a studio in Scottsdale and that website is B-M-V-M-N-T dot com, B-Movement, and that's kind of the, the home of booty. Yeah, the studio is amazing. It and is then just for my so general cool. public speaking it schedule, is. it's just busygold.com, B-I-Z-Z-I-E. Okay. And then okay. social media. What's your social media? If people my social media you. is at busygold, okay. B-I-Z-Z-I-E-G-O-L-D. Then there's also at break method. Okay. Um, it's a Break method is a great way to, if you're just kind of dancing around being able to even acknowledge that you might be dealing with some emotional issues, mm-hmm. it's a really humorous look at emotional issues. Okay. So if you want to just kind of go over there and have a little laugh, but also learn something along the way, that's a great account to follow. And then I also have my podcast, which is The Modern Good, which, you know, for those of you that are wanting to kind of start to dig into break method, there's two particular episodes on there, um, the shifting into consciousness and toxic really relationships that are definitely good places mm-hmm. to start. Yeah. Shifting into consciousness was one of my favorite podcast Absolutely. episodes I've ever listened right. to. Thank yeah, you. I listened to it like three times. <laughs> I know, and it's a long one too. But it it's is, like yeah. every single moment of it, you're just kind of like, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, people always tell you like your fast. podcast should be like, you know, like twenty to forty minutes is a sweet spot, and then mine are no, like almost no, three, hours, three hours, and I have <laughs> such good listening attention. Like, yeah. Course in a podcast. Yeah. yeah. It, it really is. It's. You did a really, really amazing job with them. Thank Are you, you so much. Keep going on. Yes, definitely. That? Starting yeah. this summer, that's going to be my one of my Getting main focuses. That and then my book is going to be coming out soon. So those I was are just the about to ask if like, you were going to write a book. That is yes. amazing. So that's in progress right now. My final manuscripts due July first. So I'm heading to Canada with my family on Thursday, and I'm gonna just dig into writing my book. Congratulations! Thank you. That's so exciting. That is a huge accomplishment. Yeah. And thank you so much for being here today. This is so special. Thank you. You ladies are both awesome, and it was great getting interviewed by you. You asked really insightful questions, so thank you. And I'm excited to come to your classes. We're excited to go. (laughs) See you when you come back from beating the heat, leaving us in 110-degree weather. Anything else you want to leave everyone with? I think really just my closing thoughts are, you know, prioritize getting your mind right, because I think it can be really tempting in society right now to focus on your clothes and the way you look in the mirror none of that is sustainable if you don't prioritize your mind so mind above all else i love that 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been such a special episode, and yeah. I'm just yeah. Thank you again. We appreciate you being here. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.